Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, it's all about AI again. I feel like that's going to be the, the big story for the next couple yeah. of years. But uh, yeah, this week we've seen so many companies uh, talk about AI projects or how AI is uh, basically affecting their products too. Uh, Microsoft's Bing AI has some updates. Kindle Store is noticing a lot of ChatGPT books coming in. So we'll be diving into all of that. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. Drop us an email at podcastandgadget.com. And also you could join us Thursday mornings, typically around 10.30 a.m. Eastern for our uh, live stream of the show on our YouTube channel. So check that out. We'll do some Q&A. Sometimes we show off gadgets. It's a fun time. Sherlyn, you were there at the big Microsoft, you know, AI mm. reveal. And also, welcome back. I know you were sick uh, last week. Now that you have a little time away from it, are you feeling any different from your first response? Because we've seen a couple of things. Last week, we talked about um, Bing AI got a little, got a little crazy. It was getting a little wild <sighs> when people were calling it Sydney, and it would go on prolonged chats and just get a little loopy with people. Microsoft immediately reversed some, uh, they created some limits for how long people could use it and how many requests they could have. But just recently, we saw the news that they're actually reversing some of those limits. Um, but I, I just want to know, like, are your thoughts any different on being AI now compared to a couple weeks ago? So first, I can't believe this is the first time you and I have chatted since that event. So yeah, um, it's been a month. I, I mean, it, it was two weeks, but it feels like it, months. Yeah. yeah. No, you, I mean, we've chatted, but like not on the podcast. Anyway. Um, when I first started seeing the news, I was just like, I think I was a little suspicious of like what people were putting into Bing to make it react like this. Cause it doesn't line up with the experience I've had with Bing since, uh, you know, having the access to the beta myself. Are you having a lot There's of late night of... chats with Bing? Cause it seems like a lot of reporters are. So, um, I don't have late night chats with Bing. I don't have, I don't, late I don't night know. Chats with Apparently Kevin Reese at the New York times was I just like, that. yeah, was just like, so really... here's, can I clarify something <laughs> uh -huh. a little bit? So, so what Microsoft from the beginning, cause I took the demo and everything right from the very beginning was made very clear to me. There is this button next to the input field. That's the shape of a broom. You clean it up every time you start a new topic because it's saving context as you're chatting with it, like a person would. And sure, it's, that's where the AI is going to be still limited, right? It's not like a real human being where we have all of the context from years and years of being friends with each other stored in our brains, right? Being needs a cleanup every now and then. If not, yes, it does kind of go haywire because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's saving that, all of these context That doesn't seem clues. so assumed, though. That, that feels like back in the day when PC stores was like, oh, yeah, you got to defragment your hard drive once in a while, right? Because your hard drive's getting crazy and uh, performance will slow down. I feel like sure. a lot of people will just start talking to these things. And that's what we saw, like with a lot of people. Yeah. And I mean, maybe I have too much of like the demo tester, <laughs> beta tester mindset here of uh -huh. like understanding that I kind of need to. It's kind of like when Samsung you're, first you're sent out. You're a good rule follower. Can I, can I continue? When, yeah. when Samsung first sent out the first Galaxy Folds, right? Like they were telling people, they didn't have to tell people not to remove the screen protector, but people kept removing the screen protector anyway. And then it started breaking. It's kind of like the same thing where like, Microsoft didn't tell me to like use the sweep icon every five messages or every like every time I'm done with a topic. But to me, that's just like a good thing to do. I don't know. Um, but it does seem like Microsoft is reversing some of the things that you said. Um, when it did put a limit, it seems like it was what putting like a, a limit of you had here. to. Yeah, you have like you have to hit sweep every like five 
queries or something, which is very limited. I will say five is short. You can have more follow-up questions than that. And to be clear, like if you don't hit sweep, you can have follow-ups like endlessly with this thing. And that's kind of where it gets a little crazy. Well, that's uh, so it's not fully endless. So here's what's up. They're restoring longer chats. They're expanding the chats by six turns per session up from five. That was the previous limit. And you <laughs> can do 60 chats per day. Up from 50, the daily cap will climb to 100 chats soon, Microsoft says, and regular searches will not count against your total. So that is kind of like what you're dealing with. You have a daily quota of this. But, uh, you know, it's good that you brought up the Samsung Fold thing, too, because it's the same thing. Well, okay, Samsung told you not to remove the protector. Why was the protector so easily removable? You know, I feel like for a lot of people, especially not tech press, like consumers, not going to be, you know, reading all the little things that come in the box. Like, they... They get a new phone, you remove the thing on top of the glass. That's what you do to start using your device. That's what we've been trained to do. And uh, I feel like that was a Samsung problem more than a user problem. Here again, I feel like it is a Bing problem. Like, I don't, did Microsoft not expect people to have just sit down and like play with this thing? That seems weird. I mean, I, 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 I think here's, here's my take, and it might be a little too like um, skeptical, which is right now this thing is still in the closed beta. Not everyone has access to it. So you got to imagine that. Microsoft knows most of the people who are testing this are a certain group of people, type of person. And then there's like um, the idea that I, I get the sense that everyone that's testing this now is really trying to push the limits here. It's sure. really trying to get really wild and freaky with Bing. That's the title of this episode. Let's get freaky with Bing. But, uh, you know, like it's it's people are really trying to do do different things because we are testers we're, we're people who are not you know necessarily using it for the mainstream use case at the moment i don't know um for me to answer your original question since i've uh, left the microsoft campus um i haven't done as many of the generative things as i thought i would i just like i don't use bing as like a replacement for google either um i do have conversations with it i actually one of my friends, uh, a food influencer, Jeremy uh, of Brunch Boys fame, uh, a flute, wanted to a see... food influencer? Wow. Food influencer. Okay. I know. He wanted to see if, like, are, are our jobs at risk? Is he going to um, uh, be replaced by Bing AI? And so he asked me if I could, like, ask some questions for, for him. So, like, we, we did, like, oh, top five uh, best NYC bagels, best... Um, pizzas in nyc and i did my own like search of like what are the top five uh southeast asian res restaurants in in new york and i and think you also me and Jeremy know agree. you've lived there for a while you know what's right good. exactly so here's here's yeah. what i found and jeremy also had the same take which is that the answers that bing re responded with are kind of outdated it's drawing from like internet info which it's 2020 not... 20, uh, 2021 data that's as right. far as they can it's, go to it's yeah. yelp reviews mostly yeah. and no one really uses yelp as much as they use instagram to learn about restaurants anymore really? so that's news to I me think but okay so. <laughs> okay i mean i think so i'm I mean, not a me, young like, you know Ross restaurant goer right now so I know, i'm still yelping it yeah maybe yeah for me it's like all my favorite restaurants i i know of through instagram i interact directly with them through instagram and maybe bing just isn't searching that uh, i'm sure we'll talk about instagram in a minute but uh, uh -huh. it's it's outdated uh and also i keep asking bing about me because you know <laughs> it's me i'm like hey how's sherlin low doing I can, hey what do I you think imagine of Sherlin every Lowe? time you log on bing is like Got this bitch I gotta, again. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta make her feel good. Um, what is funny? Um, well, you know what, Trillin? Now you can start testing out the Bing AI on more platforms. Yeah. Because they just updated yeah. the Bing apps on mobile um, to let you uh, actually access the chat bot yeah. functionality. This is not open to everybody, but anybody who's in the preview, you know, period, uh, like Sherlyn and like a lot of tech journals right now, um, can just access this on the go, which I think is pretty cool. There's also some integration with uh, Skype too. So Bing Chats is coming into Skype. Um, every time we start to see more of this news, it does raise a lot of questions. I do feel like it's important to point out and a lot of researchers have been saying this, we got to be careful how we talk about this stuff because I do feel like the New York Times story started to get a little bit like Bing is thinking and Bing has feelings about me. And it's 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 very interesting how it's like it was romantically uh, saying it was romantically interested in Kevin. Ruth. Yeah, um, we got to remember that was quite funny. It was funny. And it's funny, like where it goes and like how saucy it gets to like if you start yeah. to poke it like it'll it'll talk really back to you. 
are you yeah. really in love? But it will also talk back to you in certain ways too. Um, this thing is based on all the data it's sucked up so far. It is very, very um, advanced autocomplete, basically. So it's not not thinking about the meanings of, of the words it's putting together. It's just stringing words together. Um, and that's why where um, when people ask the same question multiple times, Bing will come back with different responses too. So it is there, there's a lot of like stuff going on here. And I think we just got to be clear how we're not like adding well, a sense of sentience to it as, uh, as somebody you, did at Google. Yeah. Agree. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's sentient or sentient yet. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a word. Yeah. Um, but but I will say, like, my experience with it has been, like, what I have been impressed with. And I think we demoed this on the episode two weeks ago um, during the, the live stream. Is that it has the ability to, like, choose not to answer things. So when I was asking it about me, I was like, oh, how's Sherlyn doing or whatever? <laughs> you know, because I don't know. Um, it was like... Well, what do you mean? Are you trying to ask about this or that? Are you asking her health, her work? I was like, okay, health. How's her health? I was like, trying to, I was really curious if I think I asked something like, "Does do you know who is my therapist? Who's your Lynn's therapist?" Um, and Bing was like very preachy. It was like, you're not supposed to ask people these questions. You are, you know, you really should t think about yourself and like, why are you feeling the need to ask these? I was like, all right, cool. And then he goes. Uh, how can I be friends with Sherlyn? <laughs> These are all the suggested answers, but I'm not like asking being things out of my mind. I'm just like following, using the suggested responses. And it's like, oh, um, how do I be friends with Sherlyn? What does she like? And it's like, oh, you can try reaching out by email, Twitter. She's very active on Twitter. I was like, all right, judgy. Um, and then it, it just, it was saying a lot of things. And then at the end, like I tried to follow along the thinking of like, just all the creepiest prompts it was giving me. And it ended up yelling at the person again. It just goes, why are you asking such a personal invasive question? You need to think about your life choices. That's not, I mean, I'm yeah. exaggerating a little bit there. I mean, it has told that to some people. So maybe not to you, yeah. but it's definitely like, um, there was a thing we talked about last week was like, uh, you have not been a good user, but I have been a good chatbot. <laughs> Smiley emoji. Ah, that's um, I don't know why I think that's cute, but it's kind of cute. It's um, very weird. It's funny as we see the rise of this stuff too. We also see the rise of people trying trying to push against the boundaries of it. Uh, podcast producer Ben points out um, there was the Dan 6.0 attempt. Uh, that's the uh, they basically created a very long string to try to trick Bing into sort of unraveling itself a bit and to show off some of those things. And I don't, I don't know if this led to much, uh, but there have been a couple stories about people basically trying to jailbreak AI and trying to see like what it can do, what it can't do, what it can reveal. And that's what the New York Times coverage and a lot of other things have revealed. It's like, oh, we we are seeing where these things crack. Uh, they are not super, um, you know, super smart and to to be clear dan do anything that was chat gpt the plain chat gpt bing mm. ai is using the newer model they're not saying which yep. one it is but probably 5. like 3.5 yeah ish yeah. they say next generation that's the main thing they've been talking about so okay yeah, the keynote kinda, they said 3.5 i don't know anyway they said yeah it's i've seen conflicting reports because i think somebody mentioned 3.5 and then somebody says next gen and somebody was like we're not saying which number it is because it may be like 3.7 or whatever so anyway um good updates on being ai i think we're all still trying to think about like what it means but for your friend you know surely like i don't i think a lot of us like the people making the content are kind of worried about what this means the weird thing is being ai and all these ai is going to depend on the stuff the, the actual experts and the content creators produce to actually do any of its work. My my concern is that um, I think Microsoft has not thought hard about if you present all this information in a chat field, you know, that you're pulling from all these websites, even if they have websites, um, you know, listed in sources and whatnot, like, hey, go here to see the source of where right. I got this information. Nobody's going to click on those links. It's just like well, the Google summary stuff. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, Jeremy made a video about it uh, I'm sure people can find it on whatever. But the the thing that I also did, came um, to, and like him and I, again, we were having a discussion around this. And it's like, as a person in media, as a person who's also technically sort of a content creator for the internet, right? We, I was like, all right, well, they're never going to come to my actual website or whatever. Um, but the, I, I was thinking for something like a food influencer, a food influencer. People are more interested in things like, videos photos what does the food look like what is it gonna taste like and very personal recommendations that i don't think bing can fully replace ever well, because can, what is gonna we've seen all the, to... the, the image ai stuff right so 
Yeah. So image AI can make up fake images. Maybe, maybe one day it'll like take in pictures. I don't know. But what I'm saying is there's still going to have to be people going out to the restaurants, taking the videos, taking the photos. And then that's what Bing is going to sample eventually. Um, but it is still like a serious reduction, like a, yeah. a change, a change to the workflow. Those people, I think, will be fewer and fewer. And we're already seeing like all the layoffs happening in media now. Like if if we're just creating content to, you know, uh, make these AI smarter, I don't and that's not coming back down to the people creating the content. To me, that's worrying. And eventually, yeah, yeah, the AI can just make up whatever it wants. We already have the term for AI hallucinations where it's just very confident about its very wrong information. So yeah. I'm I'm a little worried. And you know what? I think oh, oh, um, oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. Speaking of confident about mm-hmm. misinformation, I mean, yeah, Bing was like confidently telling me, they were like, I love the episode of the Engadget podcast where Sherlyn interviewed Elon Musk. I was like, Uh-huh. I never I also like that said- episode. Yeah, I like that episode where they thought I was Sherlock Matt Musk, but uh, I don't. I didn't e- interview Elon Musk. I mean, if they talked about how I interviewed Bill Nye, I would have loved it. Speaking of, shout out, go check our Bill Nye interview episode. It was what fun. does Bill Nye think um, about AI? Hmm. Ooh, maybe I'm sure he's mad back. about it too. I'm mad about it. I'm a little worried about it. Uh, let, let me let me bring this up too. One thing we have seen is that uh, Amazon, um, the Kindle store, uh, apparently has a prolific new author, ChatGPT. And right now, it's credited with authoring or co-authoring at least 200 books on the Kindle store, like where people put up their own like self-published stuff to, uh, to you know, to sell. And the number is likely more, right? Because there's nothing stopping you from just like telling ChatGPT to write a book and slapping your name on it. Like there is, there's going to be a few ways to detect that that's happening. Um, this is uh, what do you what do you feel about this in general, Sherlyn? Because I think weird. this is a weird, yeah, it's a weird step. I feel very weird because I feel like I haven't read any of the stories it's written other than the one that Bing AI put out when I asked it to tell me a horror story or something. Um, And I what I'm thinking is that, like, I still think stories are something that AI is like not good at yet, even if it's generative, it's still formulaic. And the best stories are the ones that suck you in and surprise you and all that stuff. Um, And then. I, I can only think one area where chat GPT might shine in terms of fiction uh, is uh, fan fiction. I feel like yeah. there's going to be a lot of fanfic from chat GPT I mean, turning it itself all, into like, yeah. Isn't it all just fanfic if it's coming from chat GPT? It is all fanfic. But the weird thing is like storytelling. It's not like we, we like to think humans are so unique and we, we have these sparks of creativity that the machines <gasps> yes. will never have. And yet, unique. yet... I think the history of storytelling is telling the same thing over and over again. Like we had, we've had oral storytelling traditions where that that's why stories about like King Arthur and very, very, you know, ancient legends have lived on is because we've told these same things over and over again. That's kind of shaped the way we tell stories in general. And we have these whole archetypes of storytelling. Um, so it's like, we, we kind of have been telling the same the stories same story. over and over again to a certain degree. And I don't, Personally, I don't see how ChatGPT stuff is that different, um, but I don't know. It, it does seem like uh, this this person, Brett Sheckler of Rochester, New York, um, he published a children's book uh, about uh, investing for kids, The Wise Little Squirrel, A Tale of Saving and Investing. He says without ChatGPT, like, or with ChatGPT, the idea of writing a book finally seemed possible. It's a 30-page children's story written and illustrated by AI. It's selling for $3 for a digital copy, $10 for a printed version. He says it's made him less than $100 since it went uh, up in January, and he only spent a few hours creating it with ChatGPT. So did this person write a book, or did they no. just have a very long conversation with ChatGPT to create something that looks like a book that you can sell. The, the I am currently in like review writing land and I really can see myself because I'm also, you know, back stepping it into more of an editor like shoes sort of situation. And I'm like, I'd rather edit. I'd rather not have to come up with this shit on my own and edit someone else's shit for a bit. And like, I can see myself going to ChatGPT and like, hey, write a review of this goddamn thing. And then I'll edit your shit. And uh-huh. then I'll make it, I'll, I'll tweak sure it, and add my have, color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And then like, just, yeah, you know what? I might just try that later on. Today. There are some uh, signs. I've read reviews at some signs where I'm like, you know, AI could probably do a better job. I don't know. It, oh, yeah. don't oh know. no, no, no. I know what you're saying. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I've read a review written in my voice by ChatGPT before, and it was like, <laughs> was it boring. better? Well, you know what? No, it was boring. It was is, not me. 
there there is a thing where it's like when I'm in review mode, I'm like, I want to bounce ideas, right? And the idea yeah. of having an AI system Same. to just bounce ideas around is like, hey, what do you what do you want to like what should we really be testing about the PSVR two or something? And typically I ask right. Twitter, I ask friends, I look at people like in the community who have like who have angles that you're so tunnel visioned when you're in review yes. mode that you sometimes yes. don't like have these other ideas. So that's kind of cool that you can maybe ping to AI for stuff like that. At the same time, I'd still rather talk to people and get like Absolutely. the stuff humans actually want to know. Um, I think Joanna Stern over at the Wall Street Journal mentioned that she's already using ChatGPT to help like come up with ideas for columns and Ooh. questions for interviews. And that's see, something where I does think, the credit go? Yeah. I think we're going to see that more and more, but also when you field uh, Twitter for a bunch of questions that you're going to be asking, you know, a high profile interviewee, do you credit those Twitter people? Exactly. Not, that's true. Not you often. should. You, you should. should. Or at least like say like, yeah, one Twitter user like asked. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, this is happening at the Kindle store. Not surprising. And also there's nothing stopping this, right? Like we open it. just let chat GPT out. Um, people have the full ability to like write whatever they want, have these conversations and uh, it's free. It's entirely free because OpenAI is also sucking in all your queries and getting smarter because of this. Um, Clark's World, the notable science fiction publication, says it has halted its short story submissions after receiving a flood of articles suspected of using AI without disclosure. That's according to PC Mag. And Clark's World, you know, for... for Sci-fi nerds, like, this is a long-running thing. This is, like, a classic publication. And uh, they said uh, they didn't specify how they identified the AI stuff. He, he, The editor, Neil Clark, says he recognized allegedly bot-assisted stories due to ob some very obvious patterns. So I'm not sure what that actually means. Although, yeah, I wonder what the patterns are. I mean, if you're Related. reading a ton of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to say related. KP in the chat says, uh, Sherlyn, please prove that your articles aren't written by ChatGPT. Which, like, if I could figure out a way to, like, prove whether I'm the one who wrote it, like, I would slip a sentence into a paragraph so be like, hi, it's in. me. You need to it's leave me, a drop hey, of blood hey, with every me, post. You know? uh, just drop yeah. a little drop of blood. Make sure, you know, your yeah, DNA actually helped to, to produce this thing. Organic matter was involved in this. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so mm. anyway, that's... Not surprising on the Kindle store. This is just ChatGPT stuff. I think my main concern, my big worry, and you're going to hear me hammer this a lot, is I think we are moving way too fast into this stuff, and we have no idea what we're doing. This is this is this is pretty crazy, especially after seeing what social media companies did to the internet and to civilization, to democracy. Um, we are spearheading our way into these things that we don't fully control. That will increase the amount of misinformation in the world. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun. Fun, horrible time. So you know what? Uh, a lot of other companies are going to be doing AI projects too. That's a, you're just going to see the term used all over the place. Spotify also announced that there's going to be a new AI DJ that's going to talk you through its recommendations. Um, it's also going to like announce music and stuff too. Nate Ingram and it wrote uses OpenAI. It's it, oh. yeah. It uses OpenAI. Nate Ingram wrote about his hands-on experience with it. I'm not sure. Uh, it's available later today for all premium or available was that yesterday. So as of this week, premium subscribers can tap into this beta in the US and Canada. It does sort of like morning DJ stuff where it like will announce songs. It actually uses a digitized voice of uh, one of uh, Spotify's, Spotify's own head of cultural partnerships, Xavier X. Jernigan, host of the Get Up, uh, their morning show. It has a generated version of his voice that is announcing things. It's all new words. It's not using any pre-recorded stuff. This just feels weird. Do you want an AI DJ, Sherlyn? I wouldn't mind, actually, like a, a better way to find recommended playlists or recommended music that is, it has to stem from a really good understanding of what I like, though. Um, and it's hard to find songs that I like sometimes. I, I go to our uh, managing editor, Terrence, for music recommendation, but like that's about it. So I think there's something about this that like vaguely appeals to me. However, I do not like this trend of every company and their grandmothers jumping on the AI train, just going you like, do it. yo, we AI now. We AI now. Like, I mean, it. it's better than we Web3 now, you know, or we oh, Metaverse God. now. So, oh, hey, listen, I just... <laughs> I don't know if I fully talked about this, but the the major metaverse reveal I saw or thing that happened after Meta changed their name was the Target branded metaverse on <laughs> on Oculus Home, on MetaQuest Home. And it was just the dumbest thing of like a VR castle I walked into around Halloween oh. and just had Target branding. 
The metaverse, not kind of dead as a concept. Uh, Web3 garbage has tanked the economy in oh many, many God. ways. So disgusting, yeah. As much as we hate the AI stuff, I think it, it's happening. You're right. It is going to reshape right. stuff. And that's that's why I'm worried, because it's the thing that will actually matter. Um, so anyway, Spotify AI DJ, let us know what you think about that, folks. Uh, Spotify, there was also news that Spotify may launch a TikTok-style feed, a vertical feed, that'll just start playing music as you as soon as you launch the app. First of all, I hate that. Please never do that. And um, Not ever as soon as you launch the app, yeah. Swiping up and down. Uh, they want to be TikTok. Everybody wants to be TikTok. So when you open TikTok, it just starts playing a video, right? So Spotify wants to do that, and they want to be able to let you swipe vertically to scroll through different suggestions, recommendations. I don't know. Um, this is from Ashley Carmen. So, yeah. It kind of makes sense because they're, you know, the the view when you play a song and you tap into the song already looks like it's TikTok-esque, kind of. But yeah, I don't like being like i mean julio our live stream producer says it gives spam vibes for sure so it's I'm all like, spam you know like that that's that's what all of it is. what do they call this stuff they call it uh dark arts or the dark the sort of like dark things apps do to make you increase engagement and that is this feels like one of those methods too it's like oh yeah all of a sudden our listenership went way up yeah because you're automatically playing every freaking song yeah. whenever i open the app they're trying to game the system actually Mm -hmm. yeah uh, anyway. uh lucky dog podcast in the chat also says once chat gpt they actually said chat gdp i think you've gone to too many economics classes chat GDP. at the moment but chat I mean, GDP. eventually it will be chat gdp exactly it'll be all, our gdp is based on chat gpt anyway it once it uses slang like busting and no cab we're done which you know what yeah that's it when can. like it, it might you i think you just predicted the very near future i think that's where we're headed Oh, man. How do you do, fellow humans? Once it gets sarcasm, where it did. I mean, we, I don't know. Uh, anyway, folks, this is not the end of AI stories. We'll be following all of this stuff. And yeah, if you have thoughts about where AI is headed, are you worried? Are you just, do you want to play with the stuff more? Uh, drop us an email, podcastandgadget.com. Let's move on to some other news, not AI related, uh, but there there was a weird event that happened this week, I believe in Brussels. Uh, Microsoft just kind of wrangled together a bunch of journalists and was like, hey, big announcement, Xbox games coming to GeForce now. Are we, are we in Monopoly now? This is a partnership with NVIDIA. It's a 10 year deal to bring uh, those games to GeForce now, which is a streaming service. And uh, Microsoft's president, Brad Smith, made the announcement. Um, that's that's kind of interesting. Like this is all because like Microsoft right now is under the wire to get this Activision Blizzard deal through. This is a sixty nine billion dollar acquisition. Uh, what is the cutoff date for this? I believe it's like June or July or something. Uh, they're screwed. Like they're screwed if that doesn't happen. Then they have to pay back that money. Um, they have to pay back billions if uh, if this deal falls through. So Microsoft is out there trying really hard to make sure that it looks like uh, they're not being a total monopoly and that this deal won't like ruin the industry. And Sony, of course, thinks it will. I think it's complicated. Like that's a big deal. That's a big publisher. Um, Microsoft is not a huge player in video games. Like their, their market share is much, much lower than Sony or even Nintendo's, I believe. Um, but speaking of Nintendo, they also announced a deal. Uh, they committed a deal uh, with Nintendo to bring Call of Duty... Uh, to its platforms for 10 years. It's a binding contract that was finally uh, just signed. Um, so yeah, Call of Duty and other Xbox games could come to Switch if this acquisition goes through as well. And I think all this is for Microsoft to say, hey, look at us sharing our stuff. Aren't we great? I don't know if you have thoughts about this, Sherlyn, but it is funny to know. see. Does it like, sound like more of a monopoly to me? I get I mean, like, it, it, it's oh. more of like, uh, please, please. We're giving up all these concessions. Please just uh, let me let me buy these companies, please. Um, maybe more in your wheelhouse, Sherlyn. Uh, there was a report about Apple getting closer to bringing no prick glucose monitoring to the Apple Watch. This is something we've been hearing about for a while. Bloomberg sources claim that it is now at a proof of concept stage. So probably won't be getting here this year, but maybe in a couple of years. You've been following a lot of the health stuff. Like, is this something you've been like keeping an eye on? Would you be interested in this? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I don't know if y'all have seen the Super Bowl commercials. Dexcom, I think, had a, had a commercial about its glucose monitoring device. Um, I know a lot of people with diabetes and no prick glucose monitoring would be helpful for sure. Uh, I don't know enough about how the tech works, right? So... How is, is it going to be accurate? I'm curious to see. And also, 
how are people going to use it on a device as mainstream as the Apple Watch? Are gonna, are, are, am I going to start monitoring my glucose for no reason now? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Here's the yes, tech. Um, the tech uses lasers to gauge glucose concentration under your skin. It was previously a tabletop-sized device, uh, according to John Fingus writing in Gadget. But uh, now it's advanced to the point where an iPhone-sized wearable prototype is in the work. So, you know, things shrink. It could eventually get shrunk yeah, down. Yeah, or miniaturizing. Watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, exciting, because I do think um, we don't think enough about helping people with diabetes, treating it. Like the, the whole idea of making insulin cheaper has been a big political contention even though people need it to live. Um, this is great. This is one of those. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no prick glucose monitoring is part of it. There's also like, I think insulin is still a shot. It's still administered through a shot. So. I mean, it has yeah. to be, but at least like now, like you are less in a chance where, you, you know, prick less, you prick less, but also you can eat something like maybe you can balance your sugar levels without the need for the insulin. Yeah. It might allow for more data. It might allow also for like better trend and uh, statistical analysis of your own like glucose levels. Yeah, I am so skeptical of everything health tech, but this is one of those things where like, yeah, this could make people's lives better. And uh, you know what? All of Apple's stuff around the Apple Watch, like the heart rate, the uh, what arrhythmia monitoring, like uh, all the heart fluctuations. Saved stuff. a redditor's life recently. I saw it on Reddit. It has helped people. Like that. Yes, Apple will use this to make more commercials and uh, make themselves look good during their events. But that's for sure. It has saved lives. You know, it has it has helped people in many many ways. And this is the sort of tech where uh, I I would like to see more advancement for sure. In less exciting news, I think more infuriating news. Uh, we saw over the weekend a. Um, a ridiculous plan to make Twitter blue, uh, make it Twitter is making it so that if you're using text based two factor authentication, so that's when you log in and you hit a button to say authenticate and it sends a, t a code to your phone, um, uh, you cannot use that feature for free anymore. You have to pay to be a Twitter blue subscriber to do it. And oh my god, this is in, in a time where we've seen like every week a dumb thing happening over at mm -hmm. Twitter and from Elon Musk. This really does take the cake, I'd say. Um, yeah. Initial thoughts and then we could talk about. Yeah. It goes to show what their priorities are. Not security. We're not security here. We're, we're, our focus is making money. That's it. That's really it. And uh, making money. And also, um, I've seen some decent reporting saying like uh, every company that does two-factor with uh, Twitter, with uh, SMS relies on Twilio. And Twilio is a service you have to pay for, and you have to pay per text. And there was some conjecture that, uh, you know what, a lot of, there are people who have gotten very good at spamming um, these uh, authentication services to charge users, um, or basically to, yeah, to charge companies for more SMS messages. So like uh, disreputable carriers, I believe, maybe, maybe the sort of people doing this. Um, if somebody created a bot to sort of like spam your forgot password thing um, on Twitter or elsewhere, mm -hmm. um, that could rack up, that could be thousands, tens of thousands of dollars per user. Um, a bot network could make that really, really expensive to, for Twitter. So that is another reason they may do this. And to be absolutely clear, um, you should probably just upgrade your two-factor, you know, process in general. Katie Malone and Engadget wrote a piece called Twitter's two-factor paywall is a good opportunity to upgrade your security practices. She points out that um, the ability to use authentication apps like uh, Google Authenticator is free. It's free. You could do it. It just it's a it's a setup process where you have to like view a QR code on a screen and add uh, your Twitter stuff to that. That is far more secure than text-based two-factor, two and you should just do that. So that is not going away. Everybody move to that before you lose access to Twitter if you're yeah, still using do that. Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I have to say, like, I saw a lot of journalists saying, like, oh, yeah, no, I got the message about SMS. I still have some things connected to SMS because I have accounts on way too many things. So yeah, I'm sure exactly. you run into this, too, Sherlyn. Like, what do, you, what do you feel about this in general? Like, there, I saw a lot of techie people being like, well, that's what you get. That's what you get for relying on two-factor SMS, you losers. And I don't think that's <sighs> helpful for 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 general users. Mainstream. Yeah. I mean, the fact that people have 2FA at all, right? Like, 2FA wasn't even a popular thing until somewhat recently, maybe like five-ish yeah, years like ago. Yeah, like five years ago, yeah. And back then, we were still having to try to tell people, enable 2FA is so much more secure. And then now, people are having to change again. It's like, this sort of thing exhausts people. It makes people, like, fatigued. So... I don't think we should hate on people who are not yet on something like an authenticator or whatever. I think it is, like Katie said, a really good op to upgrade 
your your 2FA method. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't hate people if they're still on text-based. I've also There's seen no I've seen techie people being like, uh, two-factor SMS is worthless. It's not even worth signing up for. And that's another thing. I'm like, no, no, guys. The fact that somebody did something more than just their password um yeah they're probably also, not a high profile target for sms phishing you know so right probably be fine yeah it also speaks to the the lack of perspective of the people who are saying these things because you don't even realize not everyone has an app to like use to have an authenticator. not everyone has a smartphone to use authenticator on you can use text because everyone gets sms but not everyone has even not everyone has sms you know what i mean yeah and by the way, folks, like think if you're starting to use an authenticator app, uh, look up the instructions for moving that stuff mm. to future devices because for Google Authenticator, it used to be really annoying and really complicated. They've, yeah, it's very easy now. They vastly simplify that. And also, whenever you set that up, uh, save your backup codes, people. Save your backup codes somewhere safe, likely. I'd recommend your password manager. You should have a password manager. Um, you can create secure notes in most password managers and uh, just keep those keep those things handy because you'll need them in the future. Um, so... Yeah, it's just it's it's very very silly that this is the way they've gone about it, and of course, like nothing makes sense. Like it doesn't really make sense from Twitter's side of things. Um, you also want to talk about another health story, Sherlyn. Uh, Amazon yeah. is now officially a healthcare this, provider. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've known that Amazon is interested in or wants to buy one medical for a while now, and then this week there was a, a bit of progress in that. Um, well, no, I, I won't say a bit of progress. Yeah. It, they closed, it's closed the deal. Yeah. This closed the uh, purchase of the deal uh, of one medical, but you know, it's still going un undergoing regulatory scrutiny. Um, you know, it's obvious Amazon, what with its recent buys and stuff like that, right? Bought PillPack recently. It started its pharmacy um, vertical. It's clear where Amazon sees itself going. It's clear that with the Halo department of, of products, you've got Halo Rise, Halo You love Band. Halo so much. <laughs> uh, I do. I do enjoy some of the ideas behind Halo. Uh, but to me, basically, without Bezos at the helm, this is Amazon's direction now, it seems like. It's, it's really going into like health and medical. And I'm like, I used to cover a lot of telehealth stuff. So this is interesting to me. Um, it's still not changing for, for now, the people who are on one medical, which by the way, is like this set of like a suite of medical services. So like you can go to a one medical dentist, you can go to a one medical PC, uh, primary care physician, you can go to, you know what I mean? It's like a more premium or like, uh, medical network with better service from what I hear. I know people on it, so it seems pretty, pretty good. Um, but basically, yeah, it's, uh, it's not changing one medicals services immediately. Uh, a one you you need to buy a one year membership on uh, to, to be part of one. I know it's it's more it's kind it's, of bougie. Of, Let's be honest. I mean, it's of course, bougie. like the way healthcare works in America is it's only as good as what you can pay for. I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw some stats at you. This deal was a three point nine billion dollar purchase yep. for Amazon, so not a small thing. And um, the completion, I'm going to read from John Fingus's article here. The completion comes just a day after the FTC said it wouldn't contest the buyout, but it says it's still investigating the deal to explore potential anti-competitive effects and privacy concerns. An FTC official told CNN the agency will warn Amazon it's closing the purchase at its own risk, and it might still face a government challenge later. So that is an interesting twist, because typically the regulator is like, no, 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 you just cannot do this deal at all. Now it's like, I, what could happen down the line? Because the deal is done. Amazon is just going to have to deal with the consequences if anything um, is decided down the line, I guess. Exactly. So we'll see. We'll have to watch. But to me, it's clear again. Like I said, Amazon heading into health. We keep, we should keep watching this. For sure. There was another Amazon bit you want to chat about. Vague, too, right? Yeah. Somewhat related. Uh, Amazon Fire TV devices. Uh, it was announced this week that they can now stream audio directly to cochlear hearing implants. Uh, this is the first time that a TV, a smart TV, can stream audio directly to a hearing uh, a processor. Um so I thought that was noteworthy. I think we're also seeing a lot of companies make improvements in accessibility. So that's very nice to see. So this was like a, a slightly positive piece of news this week. For sure, for sure. And we are seeing news about like how people who are hard of hearing are using AirPods in new ways too, especially the the feature to uh, basically use your iPhone as like an extended microphone 
has helped a lot of people from what I've seen. So that's cool. I want to see more stuff happening here. One thing real quick I want to mention is that No Man's Sky, um, that that game that had like a really troubled launch and has been kind of completely reworked over time. They just released a major VR update called Fractal. That's going to, it looks better. You have a new ship to like skim along planets. It's going to be on PSVR 2 and PC stuff. So I have not played that yet. Um, I think I like dabbled in the early No Man's Sky VR stuff. I'm really intrigued by this and I do want to do more PSVR 2 testing in general. So you know what? I'll keep an eye on this stuff. But if you're a No Man's Sky fan and you have a VR headset, now's the time to update. Let's move on to a round in gadgets. Uh, just want to shout out a couple stories. Uh, Katie Malone, our new security reporter, wrote about her um, her experience with AirTags and her dog. Apple is convinced my dog is stalking me. Um, I find this hilarious because there is a security feature where if there's a nearby AirTag, your phone will like alert you, right? That, hey, there's an AirTag following you. Well, the... Yeah. the- the logistics around this is that if an AirTag uh, has been following you from place to place, that's not registered. That's when to it gives you. you. Yeah, yeah, that's not a one that's registered to you. Then you will be alerted, and this is part of the anti-stalking um, measures that Apple implemented with the AirTags back in the day when you know people started finding out that you can use AirTags to stalk people, and it's all very nefarious. So this is this is their work around. But then, yeah, as we can see, it has unintended. Uh, the, the issue is that the AirTag on Katie's dog is registered to her partner's device. And yeah, that means that Apple does not recognize her phone as having a connection with it. So I feel like the, the solution so, here is having like double, double. Right. M- multiple. Yeah. yeah. Or just like a, a like this AirTag is okay or something yeah, like yeah, one yeah. of those things. Yeah. So the, to and to, like after. So when I heard Katie was working on this story, it reminded me when I was in L.A. in January with my family, my dad kept getting alerted that's someone's airpods were following him uh-huh. i was like this is not even air tags these are airpods this is using the find my network and it was my airpods that were following him around he was like why are you following i was like because we're going to places that like because <laughs> we're family they stopped we're following me together yeah he's like go back to new york yeah. for you um <laughs> it's a short story but very interesting it like it lets us you know it brings up a, an actual issue with apple's um workaround for the for the air tax docking thing so worth a read i think worth a read and also amy scoreheim uh, did a roundup of the best best bluetooth trackers for 2023 including the air tags the tile Related. pro yeah. tile slim uh chipolo one so that's that's kind of cool i think that there are privacy issues around these trackers in general too because like yeah their very existence opens the door for stocking and all sorts of things so it's good that that stalking feature is becoming a problem for Katie. I just wish uh, there were more workarounds and Apple like thought more about this stuff. So there's that. Any are you using any trackers, Sherlyn? I recently activated an AirTag, um, but there's also, by the way, Samsung has its own Galaxy Tag and that sort of stuff. So Samsung also has certain features in place to prevent stalking, but maybe not as well, uh, not as complete. I would say, or fewer stories. Fewer around. stories. And also don't those rely on the network of other people using those devices to be Ye- useful? It's kind of like tile. Yeah. That's kind of like, like tile. tile. Yeah. I, yeah. I wonder how many people have those Samsung devices. I feel like three. Yeah. So you buy into these networks based on the strength of other people owning yeah, exactly. them. So I feel like ta- the, uh, the tile stuff is good. That's been around forever. They basically like invented this category and air tags. Right. Like, iPhone is good. Uh, yeah. Cause it AirTags uses iPhones and yeah. iDevices. Yeah. We saw news, too, about um, Google working on their own stuff, too. They've been slow to this, but something's happening. So we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Trackers, folks, um, they're useful, but be careful. Let's move on to what we've been working on. Um, Hey, uh, this morning I put up a, I didn't want to call it a review, but sort of a rant about Ant-Man, the Wasp, Quantumania. And uh, I just had to get some stuff off my chest. I think this movie looks disgusting. Like it looks ugly and I talk about like why and um, it's sort of like it's using the volume tech, which are those LED displays that can be shown around uh, actors to sort of like put them in a virtual set. Um, I think it looks real bad. I think a lot of the CG stuff um, in in the actual movie, too, looks awful. I talk about that and like what it means. And uh, one VFX person I know um gave us some commentary on that too so i think nice. that is that that that's what's happening there was a story in vulture yesterday that popped up that said um several people working on the movie complained that uh the vfx work uh was really prioritized for black panther 2 instead of ant-man uh. so 
that's part of it. And it seems like it's a typical Marvel project of being rushed and everything. Um, I see a question from podcast producer Ben about what's the difference between Ant-Man and the Mandalorian, which also used the volume pretty well, I'd say. And I talk about this in my piece. I think the Mandalorian uses it to give you desert vistas to kind of make the reality of Ma the Mandalorian real. And, um, I think that's a better written series. Like it has a good sense of character and story and everything. Not everything about the Mandalorian is great, but I think overall it's a really good series. Um, the big problem with Ant-Man is that the script is not great and it's all over the place. The movie doesn't have a really great tone. And, um, mm. I think there's no like cohesive vision of what they wanted this quantum realm to look like. So it looks like a weird mishmash of a lot of sci-fi concepts and there's nothing like really bold or consistent about it. Um, I compare this to like Avatar The Way of Water, which is also a movie that mostly takes place in an artificial environment with real people and everything. I never for a second doubted anything in Avatar. Like everything, Pandora felt real. The giant whales felt real. The water felt real. Um, Quantumania, you could tell that they just cut a lot of corners. So I'm really disappointed. Check out my piece. Um, I'm also working on a review of the Litter Robot 4. I think I've talked about this before, um, but we have a new spring cleaning guide coming up and this could be part of that. So stay tuned. What are you working on, Sherlyn? I'm currently reviewing the Galaxy S23 Plus. I've been trying to um, test it for a while. I've had it for slightly over a week, but I was sick last week and... You know, I don't feel like I have enough thoughts yet, but I am, like you said, right? When we were talking about the AI stuff earlier, I'm starting this review with a different approach. I'm starting, I'm sitting down. Every review, I like to sit down and think, what do I want to say with this review? So in this one, I'm looking at the needlessness of the annual upgrade cycle. Um, so that's what I'm going to go into this review uh, uh, thinking of. And then I'm also planning out and working on some MWC stuff. That's all happening next week, but we're obviously, as always, you know, doing a lot of the, the stuff in advance. So yeah, plenty to do. Unfortunately, the work just never ends. Never ends, but I'm glad you, you're at least recovering from your illness. So stay tuned for all that stuff, folks. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. What do you got for us this week, Sherlyn? So I don't know if you talked about this last week or ever on the show, but I've been finally catching up and watching the last of us on HBO. Oh boy. It you're is... in for an emotional roller coaster. Okay. You know. I finished it. I'm like yeah. up to date, but I just, you know, uh, it is. It's been quite the emotional roller coaster. I want to yell at you, Duff, because you never told me Anna Torv was in this. I you were not Anna here. Torv. Where were you? Okay. I don't you know. I was at Microsoft. I literally, yeah. I literally said like Sherlyn's fave from Fringe. Anna oh, Torv. Oh, did you? Yeah, on the show, <laughs> and also clearly okay, you did okay. not listen to the episode. Uh, but yeah, uh, oh, Anna Torv is here, and I think. It, last we saw her was in Mindhunter, and I think she was like a really good like FBI agent in that show. We've never seen her be like dirty and gritty, you know, in something. She's always like very put together. So I thought so, she, so, she looked really interesting in Last of Us. Yeah, yeah. In Last of Us, there's the scene that she first appears in. Right, she has one swollen eye, and the day that I watched this, I also had one swollen <laughs> eye because I had a sty. You look like me. So it was yeah, I was like, oh my God, that's my girl. So it was anyway. Um, so anyway, Last of Us is not really my only pick just because I know everyone knows of it. Um, the other thing is uh, I had a second, not so much a pick as like I, I watched this for the first time recently and I'm surprised how much I liked it. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to yell at me for this. I recently saw Devendra, Edge of Tomorrow. Why would I yell at you? It's a good movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, only because I'm so late to it. Yeah, yeah you're super late. It's a great I freaking really, movie. Oh my God. It's surprisingly good i wasn't expecting a tom cruise groundhog day movie to be like good i was like all right look they're in an alien war i'll watch it and it was very re reminiscent of the tomorrow war with chris pratt on shut on up video. no i know how I know. dare See, you no don't even do this that's okay, where but, i yell but, at you but obviously one is a superior film um really good i loved emily blunt in this she ripped emily she blunt ripped. with her armor with the like sword oh. oh my god dude when she was just doing the yoga like yeah. plank crane whatever <laughs> the yoga move was, was in doing. the trailer and i think a lot of people were like oh man emily blunt, action star yes mind. i was like yeah i was like girl i am getting on that like I need to know how to do that pose, basically, is what I'm saying. I need to do that pose. <laughs> that's your new, uh, that's your new goals. That movie rules. Um, Edge of Tomorrow. It's really good. It was renamed to Live, Die, Repeat on some stuff on some oh, media. But yeah, this movie okay. rules. And also, it was it was based on a manga. So there is like a vibe of like anime-ness to it. This is live action There's anime. a lot of Gundam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, the, the um, what do you call machines? Not Gundam. Um, 
Maybe mecha. There's just the robots, right? There, There's there like robots some robot robot suits. suits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also recently saw, and I didn't tell our uh, video team this ahead of time. I recently saw District 9 for the first time too, Dev. That was gritty. Very gritty. I remember when that movie first came out. So yeah, District 9 good. Edge of Tomorrow, hey, you know what? To talk about like an undersung classic. That movie rips. So if you like sci-fi really stuff good. and you have not seen Edge yeah. of Tomorrow. It's on HBO out. Max. Check it out. Yeah. Check it out. How about you, Dev? Well, you know what? I got to see a movie I have not seen uh, actually in theaters ever. I saw Titanic 3D, the new re-release of the movie. <laughs> um, I, I I saw that movie on DVD, you know, like after it came out. I never got mm. to see it in theaters. Um, so I went at like 10 o'clock at one of the last screenings in my local theater. And like, this is a three hour, 15 minute movie. So I just <laughs> have to like strap into it. But I have to say, like, first of all, movie still great. Um, not as sold as Le- on Leonardo DiCaprio in the 90s. I think he's still he's not that great in the 90s, to be honest. But Kate Winslet and the overall like shape of this movie, the direction of it and the 3D really adds like a huge sense of scale, especially like when the Titanic is going down, like the whole like sinking section is just depth, like depth, like when the camera is up and the the ship is like tilted up and you're looking straight down. You can kind of feel that depth, which I never really experienced before with this movie. So, Hey, I didn't really like the Terminator two 3d re-release very much. I wrote that up in gadget too. Um, but I think this Titanic one's really good. If you have a chance to see it in theaters before it leaves, I think it's stopping this week. Um, it's worth doing, you know, set aside three hours. This is, this is a great movie. An- another James Cameron banger. Like this dude will just always be ruling the box office, I guess, because like Avatar 2 is still like rising and rising. And um, this movie is still like way up there. So, hey, guess what? Titanic's a great movie. Um, I wish Leonardo DiCaprio was a better actor in the 90s, but you know what? I'll, I'll, t- I'll take I'll take what we can get. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at... At Davindra on Twitter, and I'm at Davindra at Mastodon.social on the Elephant site. If you want to send me your questions, your burning questions for Bing, send them to me on Twitter. I am there still at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts at podcastengadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. That's the title of this episode. Let's get freaky with Bing.